The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at lifehousechurch.org. Are you having fun yet? I mean, are you happy right now? If not, I have good news for you. This season won't last long. It at least won't last forever. If you're having fun right now, if you are happy, I have bad news. This season also won't last long, right? It seems like in life we have this innate built-in desire and need to be happy and to have fun. But it's a little bit like a roller coaster. You know, one minute you're up, next minute you're down. Never quite sure what's going to happen next, whether I will be happy or not, whether we'll be having fun or not, right? And what, what connects the dots between whether or not we're happy is where our reality meets our expectations. See, here's the deal, right? You're, you're going on a trip, maybe you're going to the beach, or maybe you're going out for a little hike, or you're doing something during the summer to have some fun with your family, right? So uh, somewhere you guys decide you're gonna stop and you're gonna eat. And so everybody wants a burger, right? This is what you want. Your expectation is that you're gonna get a burger, and that's the advertising. They have a big sign like this on the window. So everybody goes into the restaurant expecting this. But when the food arrives, you get this. And suddenly, so here's the equation. Expectation here, reality here. When your expectation is above the reality line, it leads to disappointment, frustration, unhappiness. And as a result, you you leave a bad Yelp review. Never go to that place, right? And, and the problem with it was that the, they set an expectation bar that couldn't be met by reality. Now, let's flip that around. You get invited over to someone's house for a barbecue. And when they invite you, they say, hey, we're going to barbecue, maybe throw on some burgers. And, and so your expectation going to the house is the burger. Awesome. And if they provide a burger, you'll be happy. But now when you show up, you get this. You get steak. Okay, when, you, when you're expecting a burger, but you get a ribeye, here's the, here's the equation. Your reality is above your expectations. You know what that produces? Happiness. Yay! And happiness is the key, right? I mean, one of the greatest philosophers of all time said this about happiness. He said, Aristotle said, happiness is the meaning the purpose of life, the whole aim and end of human existence. Wait, you mean to tell me the whole aim, the whole meaning, the whole purpose of my life is happiness, and if I go out to a burger joint and I expect an awesome burger and I get a flat burger, I just lost the whole aim and meaning of life. Well, you know, we're in America where we kind of get this whole idea of pursuing happiness, right? Like the whole goal of life is life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This is the American dream. But yet, we've just navigated through the roller coaster of up and down of happiness and disappointment for at least 15 months, right? Like, whatever your life was like before the pandemic... Right now, when you think back on it, those are the best days ever, right? You were happy, and then there was this global pandemic. People are dying. I'm not happy, 
right? And then you have to wear a mask anywhere and everywhere you go. I'm really not happy. You have to shut down your, your business. I'm super not happy, but Walmart can stay open. I'm not happy. I am happy. I don't know if I'm happy, right? And then there's a vaccine. Yay, I'm happy. It might kill you. I'm not happy. Wait, it won't kill you. I'm happy, right? Like up and down and all around. We don't know which is up. You can, you can go back to work. I'm happy. I don't fit my clothes anymore. I'm not happy, right? Like you can, you can open your business. I'm happy, but only at 10%. I'm not happy. You see what I'm saying? Like it's up and down. And, and some of you, you've been through tragedy in the last 15 months. You've lost loved ones. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe you had to shut down your business or maybe that you haven't recovered. And, and so like the up and down is more extreme for you. And maybe you've been through seasons and stages of pain and disappointment and unhappiness. What if I could tell you that you could get off the roller coaster and have a more deeply anchored happiness? Maybe you know someone that needs to get off of that crazy roller coaster that's driven by the circumstances and moments of life. Don't you wish that you could, you could unbuckle them and unseat them from that roller coaster of up and down happiness and then bring them into an anchored, deeper happiness? Well, let, let me walk you through how we could do that. So I'm gonna introduce you to a guy named Paul. His, his, his name was originally Saul and he was a religious terrorist, but he had a radical life change where he encountered Jesus and he went from killing Christians to becoming a Christian and encouraging people to become Christians. I'm not happy, I am happy. And uh, he would travel around all these different cities across Asia and Europe, these regions, telling people about Jesus. And so in one particular city, he shows up and he tells a whole bunch of people that are far away from God about the good news of God's love. And they responded very positively. Let me jump into Acts chapter 13. Now the, the book of Acts, is a historical account of the early church. After Jesus died and rose again and ascended to heaven, this guy Luke, who is a physician, an outsider to Christianity, meets Christians, wants what they have, becomes a Christian, his life is totally changed, and he becomes a part of the early church, and he's following these early Christian leaders around, and he writes at a historical account of their journey. And so Luke is writing about this guy, Paul, who is traveling around, uh, telling people about Jesus. And so let's jump into Acts chapter 13. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad, happy, and they honored the word of the Lord. And all who were appointed for eternal life believed. The word of the Lord spread through the whole region. Yay! Paul is living for purpose. His life is making a difference. He's having incredible impact. Well, remember how I started? Are you having fun? Paul's like, yeah, we're having fun. It won't last long. Let me just keep reading. But the Jewish leaders incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city, and they stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and they expelled them from their region. I'm not happy. Right, so things are going great. Suddenly they're being betrayed. They're being threatened, they're being persecuted, and now they're suffering and kicked out. So what happens next? So they shook off the dust, they shook the dust off their feet. Basically, they're like, like if you like baseball, it's like one of the guys that like the, the ref makes a bad call and they're like, ugh, 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 kicking dust, and not really, they're not kicking dust at the city. They're just 
shaking the dust off the feet like, hey, we don't need to stay here anymore. You don't want to treat us right? Fine. So they shook the dust off their feet as a warning to them, and they went on to Iconium, which is about 80 miles away from where they were. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Wait, what? They're, they're betrayed, persecuted, threatened, kicked out of an area. And it says that they like, they kick the dust off their feet as a warning. And they go on 80 mile journey to the next city. And they do it filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. So here's these group of people who want to cancel Paul and Barnabas. They want to shut them down. They want to cancel them. We've, we've lived in uh, not just months, but maybe even years now of kind of like cancel culture. And the cancel culture was alive and active for them. They were trying to cancel Paul. They move on and they, they move on. They go 80 miles to Iconium. Then they go on to Lystra, uh, which is 30 miles further in the region of Galatia. While they're there, there's this guy who is crippled uh, he's lame in his legs. They pray for him to walk, and boom, a miracle. We're happy, and he can get up, and he can walk. And, 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 and so these people, you know, they don't believe in Jesus. They're pagans. So their response is, wow, Paul and Barnabas are gods. That's the response. Like, talk about like a high water mark, right? Like they're getting worshipped. They're like, no, 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 stop worshipping us. But after they get them to stop worshipping Listen to what happens next. Acts chapter 14, verse 19. Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They kind of provoked cancel culture. They stoned, meaning they beat Paul with rocks and dragged him outside the city. Happy, not happy. Thinking he was dead. And after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up, happy, um, and he went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. Good call. Okay, so here, here's the deal, right? There's this up and down, crazy journey in, in, their, in their ministry of like, people, people respond positively. Yay, they want to kill us and kick us out. That's not so good. But they leave with joy, filled with the Holy Spirit, and they go on to the next city. Good things happen. Bad things happen. And, and constantly filled with joy. The Apostle Paul, later in life, writes a letter back to the churches that he started in that region of Galatia. Part of it was he wanted to address this whole idea of cancel culture, where they're, they're trying to cancel the good news of God's love by adding on to it complications, making it way more difficult than it needs to be. And so he's writing to them saying, stop canceling people that are good and stop canceling the good news. And so he challenges them with how they can live a new kind of life, not riding the roller coaster. So let me jump in to this letter to the churches in the region of Galatia in chapter five. He says this, the acts of the flesh, I mean the acts of your own instinct are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions. And he just, he just keeps going. He goes, drunkenness and orgies and the like. I, he goes, I've, I'm warning you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is not what's best for you. This will destroy you, and it will rob you of God's best, and it will keep you out of God's best. He goes, but here's what I want you to, not to miss. But the fruit of the Spirit of God is love and 
joy. And the point he's driving at is you, you live in a world where you cancel people and you cancel good news. You can't cancel joy. So he's teaching them, enjoy joy that can't be canceled. Enjoy the kind of joy that cannot be canceled. Why does your happiness get so quickly canceled? Why does it rise and fall? It's because whatever we're doing, whatever's coming out of us and whatever we feel in us is the fruit from the root of whatever's driving us. And what's driving us is at a spiritual level. And so if what's driving you at the root, producing the fruit, is a spiritual corruption called sin, sin will produce the fruit of sin. And so he lists all these things. And here, here's what he's getting at. The sin driver will produce sin fruit. And all of that stuff that we're doing, we're doing to numb or intoxicate the pain. He goes, you're using addictions and anger and lust, right? Sexual immorality. You're using um, acting wildly. You're using all of this stuff to make you feel better because you're masking your spiritual suffering. This deep sin that's in every one of us because the end result of sin, right? Sin produces the fruit of wrongdoing, but it corrupts us, ruins us, and leads to a forever ruin. But Paul, when he's teaching and when he's talking, right, if you go back to Acts chapter 13, verse 52, he, he goes like this, um, you know, they're beaten, mistreated, betrayed, persecuted, threatened, and it says that they leave that area filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. How is that possible? Well, when he's writing the letter, he goes, but the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy. What he's getting at is this. When, you, when you're driven by the, the spiritual root of sin, it destroys, and so you use sin to mask your spiritual ruin. But when you are changed and transformed, when you believe in Jesus by faith, he gives you the root of the spirit, which produces the fruit of joy. So this is not a message about feeling better. This is a message about going deeper deeper into the roots. And so what you and I need is a root transplant. Well, how do you experience that? Through faith in Jesus. Here's what we know, that Jesus was canceled so that we can be restored. He was canceled so that we could be accepted by God. He was crushed and broken and rejected so that we could be forgiven. Jesus comes to earth, God among men. He dies on the cross. He absorbs our shame, our guilt, all of our wrongdoing. So he pays the ultimate penalty for our sin through his death, not just a physical death, but an eternal judgment placed on Jesus that he dies once for all. So that anyone who believes in Jesus by faith is forgiven and given new and forever life. Okay, so if you're making that commitment, this is about a root transplant. When you believe in Jesus by faith, he wants to uproot the root of sin and transplant his spirit into your spirit. How does that happen? Through faith in Jesus. And if you're making that commitment, if you want a root transplant right now and you want God's roots growing inside of you, God's spirit in you, you just make a commitment to believing in Jesus by faith. And if you're gonna make that commitment, would you let us know? Text the name Jesus to 81411. Uh, we'll send you a quick link. 
to give you uh, some, some tools on how you can begin this journey of new faith in Jesus Christ. Now, here, here's what I want you to know. God's goal is not superficial. It's not to give you the experience of fun. It's not to make you feel better. He wants to do a root transplant. He wants to put his spirit into your eternal spirit. And when his spirit is in your spirit, it produces the joy or the fruit of joy. What that, here's what that does. <laughs> here's what I want you to capture. When God's spirit is in your spirit and what's coming out of you is this uncancelable joy, here's what begins to happen. God shows off most in me when I find my greatest joy in him. Don't miss that. When God's spirit is in me and I am enjoying him above anything else, God most shows off through me. God shows off most in me when I find my greatest joy in him. So here's what that does. When you go back to the story of Paul and Barnabas, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of whether their ministry is going great and they're being accepted and loved and being welcomed as gods among men, or whether they're being beaten and persecuted and stoned with rocks and dragged out of the city, regardless of the circumstances, their joy is anchored in finding greatest enjoyment in Jesus. So here's the principle. Even suffering can't cancel joy. Suffering doesn't cancel joy. No, no, here's what suffering does. Suffering exposes what is deepest in you. Suffering is like a storm that washes away the soil and exposes the roots right? You, you, don't just trans, you don't just see the fruit, you see the root. And, and so suffering clears the soil and you see the root. And so suffering exposes and exacerbates what's deepest in you. And if anger is deepest in you, then suffering will bring that anger out. You've seen it in the last 15 months. If, if pain is deepest in you, then pain is what will come out. If anxiety and depression are deep inside of you, suffering will bring that right to the surface. But if joy is in you, then suffering brings joy to the surface. Listen to me. Some of you have been tricked into believing something that just isn't true, right? What, what you've been tricked into believing is this. You, you, thought, uh, you've been, you thought wrongly. You thought that if it feels good, then it is good, right? Um, if it feels good, it is good which then leads you down this path. Whatever feels, so you go, whatever feels good is good, all right? Then you believe whatever feels good is from God. If it feels good, it's from God. So if it feels good, it is good. If it feels good, it's from God. Then we do this little trick. If it feels good, it is God. We wrongly begin to believe that feeling good is our goal. Feeling good is good. Which means, if feeling good is good, then feeling bad is bad. If feeling good is from God, then anything bad is not from God. If feeling good is God, and I don't feel good, there is no God. And some of you, you've rejected God because things have gone bad. Let me be very clear. I rejected that God as well. 
I don't believe in the God of feel good. I don't believe in a God that only makes you feel good. Let me be very clear. Jesus did not come to give you uh, unending happiness and feel good circumstances. He's not only promising you sunny days on vacation. He's not only promising you uh, barbecue weather and good times. No, what Jesus offers is something far deeper, which is an uncancelable joy regardless of the circumstances, the kind of joy that even suffering can't cancel. Let me, let me help illustrate this for you. Imagine you're on a plane, and you know what? Never had this experience, but you're, you're on a plane, and you're flying first class. I mean, it's comfortable. You're going, you're going on vacation. I mean, you're going, I don't know, you're going to Hawaii. All right, you're on the plane, uh, an airline attendant comes up to you and offers you a parachute. Now, here's the moment, all right? Here's the moment that I want to really point out. How they communicate whether you should receive this parachute will determine your level, level of satisfaction for the rest of the flight. The, the, the airline attendant says to you, this will make your ride more fun. This will make your ride more comfortable. This will make your ride more enjoyable. So you go, okay, man, that's great. So you put on the back, you put on the backpack for the parachute and you're sitting there, but previously you were super comfortable. Now your, your, your back is forward. You had to put the seat deeper. You're laying on this backpack. You're like, this isn't comfortable at all. So after about a half an hour of trying to make yourself comfortable, you finally take the backpack off, you throw it on the ground, you leave a bad review about the airline because you're frustrated that the backpack of the parachute didn't make your ride more comfortable. No joy. If the airline attendant comes up to you and says, sir, we don't have enough for every, for every um, passenger. So you were randomly selected to have this parachute. The plane is crashing. You have to jump. You put that parachute on, you strap it on, you're gonna lock in, and you're gonna hold on to that parachute for dear life. And you're, you don't care how uncomfortable it is, you don't care how difficult it is, you don't care how it makes you look, it doesn't matter. This parachute is your life. It saves your life, it will give you life, it is your protection. Some of you, you took hold of faith in Jesus because you thought the ride was gonna be more fun. You thought the ride was gonna be more comfortable. You thought it was gonna be a more enjoyable ride. Jesus does want to give you joy on the journey, but he wants to give you joy on the journey, like holding on to a parachute, knowing the plane is going down. So you hold on to that parachute because it's life. Jesus is my life. Jesus is my, my chute as this is going down. Jesus is my salvation. He's my rescue. He's my healer. He's my hope. He's my forgiveness. He is my joy. Here's what I want you to know. You can't cancel good news. The world as we know it is crashing and burning. You've, there's enough parachutes for everyone on the plane, but people are taking it off because they thought the goal of the parachute was to make the ride more comfortable. It's not to make the ride more comfortable. It's to rescue you from the impending crash. Okay, so here's what I mean. I don't, I don't want you just to put on the parachute scared out of your mind. I want you to put the parachute on with joy in your heart going, God, you rescued me. Are you kidding me? I didn't deserve this. I didn't earn it. I didn't do anything to deserve this parachute, but thank you for loving me. This should fill your heart with joy 
that you are loved by God. This is what the apostles were celebrating. They, they left the city. They said, we don't care how we're treated. Suffering can't cancel our joy. It doesn't matter how you treat us because God has treated me with love and he's given me his salvation. He's given me forgiveness. Guilt has been removed. I'm on, I'm, I'm on the great rescue ride of the life of God. I've got Jesus in me. There's nothing you can take from me. I've got Jesus as my savior. So there's no mess I can get in that can cancel that kind of joy. So you put a smile on your face. Maybe right now, wherever you are, if there's somebody near you, you reach over and you high five them. You go, yeah, are you kidding me? I got the parachute of the life of Jesus in me. Maybe you need to shoot somebody a quick smiley face emoji, a laughing emoji. Like, are you kidding me? This is good news, but don't stop there. There's one more part I want to make sure you don't miss. If we jump back into the story of Galatians, uh, I mean, Acts chapter 14. They're in the city. They they pray for this man that's crippled. He comes, he, he's healed. This disabled man is miraculously given uh, strength and healing. They begin to worship Paul and Barnabas like they're gods. And, and Paul's response is this. He goes, friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human like you. We're bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. He has shown us kindness. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your heart with joy. You know what Paul's driving at? He goes, this isn't about us. We're just people. We're just human like you. We didn't do anything special to this guy. We prayed to God and God healed him. And we want you to know that God is kind to you. He gives you food when you're hungry. He meets your needs. God has been good to you. And what they're saying is, we want you to be filled with joy that can't be canceled, right? Your joy isn't canceled. When like Paul and Barnabas, you learn to thank God. Learn to fill your heart with gratitude and thankfulness. God is most worshiped when I most enjoy him. God receives my greatest worship when I find my greatest joy in him. Some of you are finding too much joy in the world around you. And as a result, your life can't be filled with gratitude toward God. Your best worship comes out of finding your best joy and satisfaction in Jesus. Here, here's what suffering and difficulty does. It strips away faux happiness. It strips away false joy. It strips you down and reduces you to the minimum, reminding you that only God can give you happiness and joy, right? So now when I'm in my darkest moments, I can begin to find a deep place of gratitude toward God. It's an inner delight and happiness only found in God. So no matter what my dark, dark circumstances, I can celebrate God. Right, and some of you, you might be thinking, oh, Patrick, clearly you've never endured any suffering. Look, we've all been through the last 15 months. We've all lost loved ones. We've all grieved at hospital, you know, not being able to go to the hospital. I've grieved with you. Most of us have endured great suffering, not just in the past 15 months, but over the span of our lifetime. So this isn't coming from callousness. It's not coming from carelessness. It's not coming from a, a lack of understanding of what you've been through. No, but what I know is that regardless of the horror of the circumstances, I can say, God, you've been good. 
God, you love me. God, you make it rain. You've provided, you've met our needs. You've given me breath, breath to breathe. You give me food to eat. And even if I have nothing, God, you love me. So what, what Paul was saying to them is, look, you've got heaven on earth and you've got heaven coming. So while you wait for heaven, worship. In the midst of your suffering, sing. In the middle of your pain, praise. He'll put a song in your heart. He'll put a little, little jump in your step. He'll fill your life with joy, a joy that can't be canceled. So here's my takeaway for you. It doesn't matter whether you're having fun or whether you feel happy. Is there a deep anchored joy somewhere in the root of who you are that is, that is produced by the Spirit of God? And the fruit of that is the constant, uncancelable joy. Let me take a moment, and I want to just pray that over you right now. Jesus, thank you that you love us that much, that, that you saw us as being people that would be canceled by sin. You loved us. You became canceled for us so that we could be accepted. You were rejected so that we could be welcomed home into the family of God. Um, and you, you, gave, you came back to life to give us life. And you offer us your spirit that gives us a root that produces the fruit of joy. So God, may you fill our hearts with joy that can't be canceled and fill our hearts with worship and celebration and laughter. And God, would you put, um, would you give us a thankfulness and a gratitude that drives joy? Lord, we thank you for this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.